I'm Laura Linney, and this is Masterpiece Classic. Last time on the Lords of Grantham podcast, we watched Season 3, Episode 9 of Downton Abbey, A Journey to the Highland. In that episode, we revisited our old friend Just Tufton. It was a great, great, great time. We watched Matthew die again, and we relitigated that. And uh, that, that's all that needs to be said about that episode. We're watching Season 1, Episode 6 of Down Abbey this week on the Lords of Grantham Podcast. And we are back. Here we are, another week of uh, of Dowin. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, two more. Well, this week and next week, and then on to we can we can call it. We can take a, a five. You know, we can take five on it. It's been yeah. I mean, it's been a good good couple weeks, and mm-hmm. this this week was still the same. You know, more more Dowin Redux. <laughs> I mean, what else can you really say? It was more of us just watching a show that we have watched already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's com- it's like comfort food. I don't know. Actually, I had a headache after watching this episode. I don't know. Maybe it's me. Uh, it was not did not go down that was easily <laughs> for me. Well, this one was weird because two weeks ago we watched the episode before this. Yeah, so it's kind of like we just jumped around and now we're back uh, in the, in the same timeline. Um, but before we get to the episode, is there anything else, Dave, in the world going on that we need to talk about? Uh, not not pressing news per se, but I got a Facebook message from a from an old friend the other day Who's about. That? Well, it's not just any old friend; it's plus size male supermodel Zach Miko. Oh, that's right. We, we, for listeners, I, I don't know if we referenced it in the past, but. We have one actually famous friend. I mean, I say friend loosely because we haven't talked to him in years, but he's one of the guys we went to high school with. You, you, you were in a band that he was in a band of at one point. And, and, and I was in a band with Zach that played. You booked us oh, at the right. Stratford Library. That's right. That is, I forgot all about that. Uh, no, but we have, a, we have a good connection with this guy for, for a long time. And uh, he is, just happens to be signed to IMG as uh, their first ever plus size male model. <laughs> Uh, for their Braun uh, image or logo or whatever. Uh, so, yes, our, our friend Zach Miko. He's been on America's Next Top Model. He's been in your ads for Kohl's and Old Navy and uh, Uniglo. I was in a Uniglo one time here in New York, and I just looked on the monitor, and there was Zach. And I was like, what? what? All right. <laughs> yeah, I was. Dry. I remember one time I went to um, – there's a Bed Bath & Beyond that's right next to a DXL. Mm-hmm. And on the the windows, like the the outside windows, it was just a giant picture of DJ Khaled, and next to DJ Khaled was Zach. It's it's weird. It is really weird to see someone you know out in the the world with bumping elbows with people. It, he announced that you know when he announced he was having a child, Tyler Banks congratulated him on Instagram. That's six degrees separation, man. We're almost there. Yeah, but, I mean between the Queen of England and and Tyra Banks, I think. We're doing just fine. Yeah. Um, so what was his message to you, Dave? He, uh, I have it open right now. 
He said, I'm finally watching Downton Abbey and I have a question, so I figured I'd ask an an expert. I'm on episode two of season five. Mm-hmm. And in season four and five, why is Thomas still such an expletive deleted to Bates after Bates saved him from being arrested and fired, kept his secret, and got him promoted to underbutler? Like zero expletive deleted gratitude. So Zach, for the first time, is is watching Downton Abbey and came to us. Yeah, I mean, he followed us on Facebook. I was I was kind of shocked when I saw that. Uh yeah, we can get him on the pod probably sometime. I I, I hope I am. Yeah, he's a busy I mean, man. I just wanted father. to. Uh, yeah, so I, it's pretty cool that we we kind of cross paths with someone. I think he he had a podcast. I'm not sure if it's up to date, but yeah, called yeah, Big Things with Zach Miko. I'm right. not sure if it gets updated weekly or if it's like a seasonal thing. Should probably know, but been a little busy being a father probably. Yeah, that's true. And uh, in quarantine, I know he spent the early part of quarantine and like another part of the country so right so what to his question his uh why is thomas so rude to bates after all the stuff i think we just said bates is insecure with himself right Bates doesn't know how to have anything nice he's in the middle of season five and i can't remember at all what's going on thomas that year aside from when he tries to kill himself so i can't really speak to it i I think there's a under Currents of him wanting the job that Bates have has, but they juggle jobs so much on the show. I can't even remember for sure what their roles are. Uh, so, long story short, I think it's just you know they you know they just don't get along. So if he's not gonna being friendly with them, that's probably the case. Yeah, and we we got some chiming in from Zach's sister, who is Casey Miko, who's an acting coach in the city, Great and. Person. Uh, Michael Brailsford, whose brother is a chop champion. So we uh, we know people. <laughs> we yeah. This, suddenly, suddenly, our skill set is relevant in this quarantine. The, the never-ending quarantine that is what are we over three months. We're in three months, uh, pretty much exactly now. <laughs> God help me. I, I actually had a phone call with a coworker today, and he I hadn't talked to him in months. He's like, "You've been in New York this entire time." Yes, <laughs> I have been. <laughs> I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to this episode. Down at Abbey, season one, episode six. What, what month and year is it, Dave? This is May of 1914. 106 years ago. Uh, what is going on in May of 1914? Well, we picked this episode, or we... we picked this episode from the the recommendations of fans mm-hmm. because we thought the uh the political protests might have some sort of weight in the same way we thought the spanish flu would have some weight right, it's, it's the pandemic. Yeah. yeah so people standing up for what they believe in so this is uh women's suffrage in the uk the not tory party i'm i'm not all all the way it's not immediately clear that it's for women's suffrage. Uh, you know, they, they talk about, uh, was it June Emily Davis getting crushed to death? Uh, but they don't really delve too much into the politics. There's a lot of thrown around. Of, it is so surface level. And oh, it's yeah. just a guy on a on a, the top of a set of stairs saying that women should have the right to vote. And they throw things at him. Yeah, and they throw things at him, but then people in the crowd are saying, well, how come there's not a woman speaking for you? Mm-hmm. Now... 
And isn't he a liberal too? They're throwing things at the liberal. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why I'm a little confused because wouldn't you be saying saying that in private? Because if this person's saying women should get the vote, they probably agree if they say get a woman to speak for you. One would hope. Uh, <laughs> yeah, these politics are not clear to me except for the fact that Sybil is all for them. <laughs> yeah, Sybil is a 19-year-old Sybil, by the way. That's how mm-hmm. old she is. I, I looked it up on Wikipedia. Perfect age to be impressionable. It's a good time for that. Yeah. And uh, this is right how the episode starts. They're right at this protest. And Branson's there with her. Do we want to ride watching this? an episode that features uh, Branson and Sybil together. <laughs> yeah, and... and Branson is explaining, you know, Sybil is is very supportive of Branson's political mind. Mm-hmm. And even though Branson does not think, uh, doesn't think much of the higher class, he makes that very clear. Right. And Isabel just happens to be there, too, watching them. <laughs> she comes, kind of comes out of nowhere to say, like, hey, get out of here, Sybil. What are you doing here? And it's like, where'd you come from, Isabel? <laughs> I mean, that seems to be the trend with people showing up at protests and being able to read Lady Sybil in a crowd. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, they get out of there before it becomes too contentious. There are There is concerns that it's going to get worse. Uh, but they get her out of there. Every, everything's okay. Well, yeah, or so it seems. Right. Uh, Robert is not uh, not thrilled about this. Well, he's not even supposed to know. Who Who's the dummy who lets oh. him know? So that's Mr. Bates, right? On accident? Yeah. So uh, Bates is talking, and, and one of the, you know one of the callbacks to season one is we see Bates actually doing his job, which we rarely see <laughs> in later seasons. But you know he's he's being chummy with uh, with Robert, and you know he talks about he heard that um, Branson had gone to Ripon there, and uh, you know said that things were getting a little bit contest, a little testy over there. And then Robert keys in on saying, "You said they went there," and Bates. Oh, and says, you can see it in Bates's face. He's like, "Oh no!" I like how Bates covers up. Did I? <laughs> yes, you said they. Well, I didn't mean to tell you anything. Well, can you tell me who went with them? <laughs> so, <sighs> nice job, Bates. Nice, nice job. Uh, played us all. We want you. We thought you were on our side. We'll find out more about uh, his character later on. Um. This is a great episode for Robert to go off, though. That that was. Oh, we, this is this is screaming Robert. This is maybe setting the tone for who screaming Robert could be. This is this is vintage RKO uh, Robert um, at the dinner table. There, you know, he's just hauling off on Sybil. Like, what gives her the right to go off and do these things? To to go to these oh, protests. It, it, I mean, it doesn't help that his mother is speaking on the side of the male perspective here. The Dowager mm-hmm. is straight up team robber here. Yeah, she can't even believe that, you know, one of her family would be going to these things. <laughs> uh, yeah, she she says that she shouldn't have an opinion until she's married, and then her husband will tell her what her opinions are. I feel like they make the Dowager a little bit more progressive as the show goes on. <laughs> oh, yeah. that it, It's a pretty radical shift, all things considered. Because she's hard. Could, like, considering, yeah. yeah, we find out later in the show that she almost walked out on her husband with with the Kurrigan. Right. I mean, that completely changes everything that we know about her and who she is as a character. But this is an episode where I think we see some of her her stances get put into question. Yeah, she's more much more conservative in this episode. Um. So I like how Robert even starts the conversation off at the table. He says, 
there was quite a brouhaha <laughs> in Ripon there. Um, He's not lying. He, he was astonished that you did not ask for my permission. <laughs> what are you saying? Uh, and then also the Dowager being shocked at people canvassing. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, I she mean, she doesn't know what a weekend is. This is still pretty early, Dowager. She does not know what a weekend is. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a few a few years have passed since season since episode one and episode six. A couple years, or, or a year at least. So maybe well, she learned about uh, can- canvassing in that period. Yeah. She, no one's coming to canvas for her. I wonder her how her opinions how, are known. I wonder how the Dowager responds to the canvassing today with all the streets with all the letters. I don't think she would we make major. it in this world. We're major. We major. We went next level, Dowager. Um, do we want to wrap up wrap up this whole storyline? Why not? I mean, it's pretty simple. It is, this is just like uh, all these other episodes where we pick one subplot to follow, and then the whole episode is a lot more than that. A little bit, yeah. Um, so she tells Branson she wants to go back, uh, was it to Main Street or something like that, and then tells him stop here I want to get off here and he's like well that's the protest <laughs> well we, we did skip the scene where she asks Robert permission to go and Robert's oh, like right. why would I let you go you you went to a protest last time and she mm-hmm. says I'm going to one of my charity things and he says bring your sisters and Sybil says no they'll get bored and Robert says alright fine <laughs> what was that you just shrugged the listeners can't tell you just shrugged you, yeah you're just like alright whatever I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's fine go uh, so yeah, she goes, uh, she wants to see the, the results of this, this vote that, that went down and, oh, this is, this is very dramatic, this sequence, right? Cause Branson didn't realize that <laughs> she played him. He didn't realize she wanted to go to this again. Uh, he doesn't want her in there and, and they kind of have like a Dutch camera angle where he's kind of like looking down on her almost as if, he's, as if he's talking down to her. Like you can't go in there. You can't go to where this is. Oh, and she goes, she goes in there and I mean, she stands around. As you do, and, and who who walks out of a door across the street? Matthew just happens to walk out of a door across the street out of some office we have never seen him work in before or after <laughs> ever. <laughs> he just happens to be working there, uh, and then he happens to see Antifa show up with stones. Uh, are they Antifa? I don't know what they are. They're, they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're just people. No, that, they're not Antifa. No, they're the people that the the. They're the like the people that are leaving bricks by riot sites. They're just trying to incite a scene. They don't care about the politics. They just right, want to they, fight. They roll up in the green truck. I think that no, but I think they are like Irish or whatever. You know, like like Branson because Branson says I am like you. You know, like the radical type or something. Yeah, uh, they're just trying to stir the pot. It seems like it, and uh, they get in Matthew's face, and the guy throws one of the worst punches I've ever seen committed the film. Like, he literally throws a punch direct at Matthew, and then Matthew just, it just misses Matthew somehow. Matthew just kind of sidesteps. It's, it's, I couldn't even, I rewound it three times. Like, how do you miss a guy that close with your closed fist? Uh, and then Matthew just socks him in the gut. <laughs> but somebody gets hit. Right. Uh, Lady Sybil gets concussed. Um, she gets knocked out. And I, I just like to think. Do they, we see exactly how what what blow knocks her down, or is it just the commotion? Is it like a, it's a commotion? It's the well, it's the commotion of that that blow or whatever. Like you know, the punch from that the guy tries to do on Matthew knocks Matthew backwards somewhat, which knocks her downwards into a chair that seems to be sitting there for some reason. 
Uh, she falls and we see the classic Downton move where Matthew puts his hand behind her head and pulls it out and there's blood. Right. <laughs> the only way to know that something is, is serious there. Why? What is a chair or like, was it like a little guard? Well, what's it doing in the middle of this entire like courtyard? Uh, I mean, maybe Branson put it there. <laughs> I don't think I got so. a folding chair. Let me bring this here. Yeah, maybe. I don't, I don't think so though. Uh, I like to think that back then they didn't know how to properly carry people who had been injured in the head because the way Branson carries her out of there is with her head lollygagging behind him. <laughs> like you should try and cradle the neck, you know? Like uh, Yeah, I know. and I think Matthew has her legs or something like that. It's like you can't yeah. carry her like weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what it looks like. Put some sunglasses on her and no one will know the difference. And did um, you notice how quickly the crowd parts and how calm it is when they take her out? Like the ride is over. I thought it was still like raging simple- a little bit. Sybil falls down and nobody is paying attention to the fact that this 19-year-old girl just got knocked down. And then the second she she is brought out and, and removed from the scene so discreetly, but it also seems like nothing else is happening. And we don't even know no, how, who wins the election. I thought, no, I thought I saw some commotion going on. I, I don't know. I, I, thought, I didn't it's, think it, it is minor on. compared to what these these fellows with stones are up to. Yeah. But, but the truth is, yeah, we don't even know who won the election. So the politics don't matter so much as they serve a purpose for Sybil's narrative arc. Uh, what, Dave, can you draw any parallels between that and today, that, that whole riot or that protest? Am I, is, is there an answer for this? No. I'm just curious what your opinion is. I mean, I think if you were to ask some people, they might say like that old man in Buffalo who like fell. Yeah. Is that what you were thinking, or a little bit? You know how just some people just you know just take a shove, they take a hard blow, and then it takes people maybe a moment to wake up a little bit. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, we see Sybil gets brought to a Crawley house, and Isabel is taking care of her, and they yep. call in Mary because they don't know what to do. Right. That must have been some blow she took because I I don't know people who like get concussed like that <laughs> and are out for hours and hours, but it must have been some blow. Uh, but she seems to recover just fine, you know. Right, she gets up. So, you know, on, on the subject of concussions, there's the, like, we know for a fact, like, the Undertaker got a concussion and couldn't remember a day, like, a whole day of his life. That, that's true. He was also a 50-something-year-old man who was taking a, a slam into the ring. I mean, you watch a UFC fight today. Those people get concussed and they come back, you know, pretty quickly. But, nah, yeah, Sybil got, got knocked out. That was yeah, a TKO. Yeah. <sighs> I hope that old guy's recovered in Buffalo too. Now I think <laughs> the civil's got me. Yeah, our sympathy is with him. We yeah. he he didn't get he didn't trip and he got pushed. Right, exactly. Um, by by uh, was it uh, police officers? There were, there was no police mm-hmm. here. You, you notice there was no coppers at this thing back then. Their, their cops do show up. Do they? Yeah, because I was I wrote down in my notes. Do you think Sergeant Willis like is is in this yeah. mob? <laughs> yeah, you gotta wonder. He's probably not that effective, though. They'd probably just be like, shut up, Sergeant Willis. All right, okay, you do your thing over there. <laughs> All right, yep, so long. Yep, I need to go check in on this Bates character again. Uh, so Sybil's so fall leads to round two of Angry Robert. <laughs> right, <laughs> which has maybe one of my favorite exchanges on the show ever. Uh, and what's that? It's where uh, she says... Um, oh man, I have it in my darn notes. I just want to make sure I got it right. Blame me. I do blame you. 
<laughs> but he said, yeah, because he says I'm gonna fire Branson right now. Yeah, he's going. He's going to fire his ass off. Um, <laughs> and does he get away with it, Dave? No, because Civil just makes these empty threats. Right. Because ultimately, Branson was doing the right thing. He didn't know that Civil was trying to go to this thing the whole time. And and Cora's kind of on Civil's side too. Oh, of course. Right. Uh, so no, Branson doesn't lose his job. Yeah, Sybil says, I'm going to run away if you fire Branson. And Robert's like, no, you're not. And she says, yeah. Yeah, I'll never talk to you again or whatever she says to him. I mean, uh, I, I would probably fire Branson at that point. If I'm Robert. That he, right, because the thing is, it's not so much that he didn't actually take her to the thing. It's that last time he took her out, she went to that thing, and Branson should know better that if he's going to take Sybil out on her own to go somewhere what do you think is going to be where she wants to be on that day of an election? And he's a socialist. There's enough ground to fire somebody. He Fair. hates you. Well, no, he doesn't. He, sa- he says to uh, Sybil how he respects him. He says like your no, father's he says a good he's father. He's a We're good just... man and a decent employer. And Sybil says, oh, that's a good, that's a very political answer, right. basically. So they're just diametrically opposed in terms of their, their political you know, values. Uh which is more than enough reason to fire someone when you're a town aristocrat. Well, then why'd you hire him in the first place? He didn't. It's not like socialist is on his resume. He's a he's a chauffeur. I guess. I, I mean, you gotta imagine if he's coming from Ireland in that day and age. I mean, you're kind of. What do you what do you expect, Robert? Uh. So yeah, he, obviously nothing changes after this episode. Just you know, the relations are just uh, strained a little bit more. Uh, yeah, so we we already have Sybil as establishing herself as this outspoken character, and I feel like this episode does a good job of giving all three sisters a a little bit of um, salt and pepper on their characters. Like we start to get a little more flavor out of them. Right. Well, let's get to the the, the shortest one one on the stick. Uh, Edith. Edith. Yeah. Who's back? Who's back in town? The aunt, Sir Anthony Strawlin, is back, and he comes to invite Mary for a car ride in his he's, new car. He's got Rolls Royce. Dude's balling. Yeah. Where does he have this money? Where? What? What? What does he do? He's he. It's established that he's wealthy. Right. But we really don't spend enough time with him because all they do is make fun of how old he is and how weird he is. Right. Except that he has a Rolls Royce and can just do what he wants. So I don't know if there's. And he's a you know, widower, no sh- so we know that's a fact too. Right. So, so we get some, can't go. I thought that was pretty bad green screen for a second of Edith and him riding in a car together. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're clearly not driving it on the road until they cut to a different angle or whatever. Uh, but they're enjoying themselves. Yeah, well, the, well, Mary tries to come up with some lie. Not even a lie. She says she's got the horse ready, Sparkle or whatever the horse's name is. Mm-hmm. And Cora's like, well, you can do that later. And Mary's like... And then Edith is yeah. like, why well, not me? Why not Edith? Yeah. I mean, we do see Mary with a horse in this episode a couple yeah, times. Yeah, that, that horse. Yeah. She did have plans for the horse. Yeah, I mean, big plans. Major she plans. Want, she wanted to go riding. Uh, but that moment is enough to, to win Anthony over. Anthony, he's 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 smitten with well, his... Well, it, it, it's the whole day because Sybil is inquiring about his life and mm-hmm. laughing at his bad jokes that's Anthony right. Anthony is Im- impressed. He feels 
he's happy. Yeah, you even get that. He even gets that side eye. He's like, wait, she's actually laughing at my my stupid jokes. Someone finds me funny. Yeah, Anthony, we're all surprised too, man. <laughs> Go figure. So is if if he seems genuinely shocked by this, is his expectation in life to score some like twenty four year old heiress like Mary? And even though she hates him, just like hope society allows them to get married. I think it's one of those things where he feels like he has to take a shot, even if he knows that the odds are low. You know. Yeah, and I mean, it, maybe maybe he caught wind of the rumor that's that's flying around the world. That that is another subplot of this episode. So maybe he says, "Why don't I strike while the iron's hot?" And the right. you know, supply and demand. People get don't want Mary Crawley right now. Why don't I go for it? Yeah. So what what does he ask Edith to go do? To go to a concert. And she's down. She doesn't even know what concert they're going to. It's actually Rammstein they reveal, which is crazy. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, chorus like, you don't even like that kind of music. You don't like Duhast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not until she meets Gregson. Um, the But yeah, even... Anthony doesn't even know what we were saying. It's Bussolini, Fellini, or whatever he says. He says, like, I don't know. <laughs> we're going to a concert. He's like, I'm rich. I got a Rolls Royce. I'm rich. Yeah. Uh, which is great because Mary thinks that Anthony's going to a- ask her out. But no, no, sorry. He's done with you. Oh, Mary. that's a great, great scene. She's just, she can't believe it. And, and you can tell Edith is kind of pleased that A, Anthony's asking her, but B, that she's really getting one over on her sister. Yeah. And that Mary really thought that she had secured the the man that she doesn't even want. You know, this Mary is a big uh envious person if if edith has something that mary wants or if edith has something that mary said no to suddenly it's the shiny toy that she wants right absolutely uh so you know good luck to those two uh, i i hope they walk down the aisle someday don't know where they yeah. go after that uh speaking of that letter so edith sent she got news of this last episode that we watched a couple weeks ago from daisy so I don't know how many months ahead of the last episode this is, but that news circulated really fast once Edith let yeah, it out. Yeah, this, and this is a fun episode to watch following the Highlands because Susan Flincher is such a big part of this episode without being present. Mm-hmm. We're getting a real establishing of her character without hear, without seeing her. Right. Do they so say her by writes, name? Yes, they say Susan Flincher, and then... In, they talk about Lord Cinderby, and they say, "Well, you know, um, Lady Cinderby, Susan, you know, Susan Flincher is is Robert's cousin, and I Wait, believe is it is." I don't think I, I think we were wrong last week when we said this about the Cinderbys because Cinderby is the parent of the guy who marries Rose, not the not Shrimpy and them. I wanted to make up for that last week because I got we got off the podcast and I was completely wrong because I think we called Isabel's uh, husband <laughs> Cinderby. Uh, so we were completely wrong on that. Shrimpy. Well, let's see. He's Marky, not. He's not Mar- Marcus of Flincher, right. not Cinderby. So yeah, right. So and Lord Isabel's Lady Flincher. With, Isabel's with Lord Merton too. To correct last week, she's with Lord Merton, not Cinderby. <laughs> yeah. So Flint, they, they they bring up the susan and they kind of say like she's a bit of a gossip in that regard and she's she's all she's not above causing mm-hmm. trouble right and is it her valid or her what somebody on her staff has heard from a turkish person that the rumor is going around and this is mr carson gets this note from someone oh dave how good is his line delivery 
when he says uh, to Cora, I heard from a friend about a Turkish ambassador about Mary and the late. Looks around to his left, looks to his right, looks at Cora. Pamuk. <laughs> and and you know it's funny because it's so easy to see like the 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 level of who you can trust and who you can't trust, and everyone knows each other's personality and tick so well. Where Mister Carson's like. I was going to give this to, to Lord, you know, Lord Grantham. And Cora's like, when? And Carson just is kind of thinks about it. And he said, eh, you know, like, I didn't actually do that. And then Cora says, yeah, good. That's for the best. Yeah, it, it was never going to happen. <laughs> uh, so the Dowager even gets wind of things, too. Yeah. She, and she calls Cora and to talk about it and Cora can't lie no. she cannot tell a lie she can't you know she doesn't want her nose to get longer like Pinocchio right between her and Bates they just can't keep it to themselves uh, and yeah of course the Dowager's shocked she never thought in her lifetime that she would see this with the family this kind of shame uh, and uh, they're going to have to do something about it because um, things are getting tighter with Mary and uh, Matthew yeah, well, because that's pretty much the whole episode. Is, I mean, for that plotline, it's teeing up the finale of the season with what's going to be the outcome of this Pamuk story. Yeah, well, Mar- yeah. So Mary and Matthew are just kind of bumping into each other in this episode, right? There's really no, I mean, Matthew, rhyme or reason. Matthew just kind of waltzes onto the property uh, at one point in the middle of the episode. And it's like, oh yeah, hey guys. It's like, what are you doing here? I just want to see a farm. Okay, cool, dude. <laughs> hey, we're going to talk to Robert about something. Well, it's also yeah. his inheritance. He goes, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be living here soon. Exactly. Uh, kick you all out. Yeah, it seems like they're they're pla- they're past their unpleasantness towards each other. They're they're okay. I felt like that went on forever back in the day, but it seems like it's, it was much quicker than we realized. Yeah, they seem to have a very pleasant rapport, mm-hmm. and they have a they they debate, and they're very lively conversation between the two of them. Yeah. So uh, after Matthew saves uh, Sybil, they have a charged moment there for a second. Ooh, baby. I, th- they, I thought. They got big pours of wine. Right. Well, even before that, uh, when Sybil wakes up and she looks at Matthew and says, Thank you. And, you, you know, and she was like, Oh, Sybil. Okay. Yeah. When, when was it? She says, uh, Wait. I think so. If you'll take me or whatever she says to him, like she, yeah, she's like, "Am I okay?" And like, yeah, if you'll take me, and he says, "Lean on me," and you can see Mary is instantly jealous of them too with the chemistry they have in that moment. Which I gotta say, I bought in. I bought in for that second. Of that I wrote teasing. that down in my notes. How come? How come? Once Mary has put the put her foot down, why are you even trying for Mary? Sybil is a better human being. Yeah, absolutely, and. Controversially, is it wrong to say that she's prettier than Mary? <laughs> I mean, if you want to be on that base level, I think a lot of people would agree. Yeah. So it's like, Matthew, come on, man. Do what's right. Uh, but little do we know, Sybil is about to shock the system. Right. It's not going to happen. Uh, so but Matthew might be kind of like Mary, where, you know, once he sees that the sort of, oh, look at this, there. look at this, he he's 
gets eyes for Mary again. Well, I mean, they, they make him sandwiches after this whole ordeal. So he's, he's And then that's when the healthy wine pours come out. Yeah, he, he pours a strong pour for each of them. And they kiss for the first time this episode. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, they smooch. Uh, but we are spared the big moment that happens off screen. <laughs> he And what is that? He asks her to marry him. After telling her that he's also in love with Sybil, too. It's kind of crazy. Uh, I, I wish... Like, I just like all my cousins, but Edith. <laughs> I wish Instagram would ship that a little bit harder, because I felt the chemistry between Matthew and Sybil for that moment. Like, I was like, I could be buy into this. I can believe this. Yeah, we already got a subplot where Edith is trying her hand. Mm-hmm. So where's the Sybil and, one with him? Yeah, why not even just do lean into it a little teeny tiny bit more? Yeah, play it out. String it out. If they had one more episode in the season, they could have gone that way. Uh yeah, and and you just have all you do is you maybe have something with with Branson and and Sybil's Matthew realizes that Sybil has her own independent mind and isn't going to go for this sort of predetermined mm-hmm. marriage situation. That's all you got to do. Yeah. So the issue here is Mary feels determined that she has to tell Matthew the truth before they can walk down the aisle or do anything, and the Dowager and Cora look at each other when you know they talk about this like. Well, we can't let that happen. <laughs> well, nope. We'll see where that's that happens. That, that's the team, Mary. That's like her her corner men, corner women. Good luck with that, Mary. We'll see how that goes next year, <laughs> um, next week, or whatever the next episode is in the season finale. Yeah, we, we won't be watching it anytime. We will soon, not. But. We, yeah, we've lived it twice over. Um, let's just finish up, Mary. Uh, she's watching her horse, and then who's there to meet her? Watching the horse. Oh, William. There's a whole subplot with Isabel and William where... It's like tacked together through like less than four minutes of screen time altogether. <laughs> no, and, but there's also... This sets up a bit of a plot hole going forward, from in my opinion, where uh, we see that Isabel brings up the whole doctor-patient confidentiality mm-hmm. situation where William's mother is, is dying and does not want William to know. Mm-hmm. But she can somehow tell... Cora and Mary on a stroll like what should I do I want to tell that's already breaking the rules yeah and Mary and what and Mary takes it upon herself to say why don't you go home to which William points out the plot hole well, no, that you, he says you're skipping oh, the whole the whole thing of Mary going off saying I'm doing what I want <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell I'll tell him you know I'll do it yeah sure and uh, and William is taking care of horses, talking about how much he loves horses. And in my head, I'm thinking, isn't he supposed to be a chef? And then I realized that's Alfred. Yeah, I mean, they're like the same person. <laughs> but we do see an interesting conversation, not, not to throw us off from the plot, but there's an interesting conversation between Mary and William about class, where mm-hmm. William says that he can't go home, he can't take his half a day to go home because it's too far, which is the plot hole, but I'll address that in a minute. Uh, and, and Mary says, well, why don't you like get into horse breeding? You're good at it. And he says, well, this is a good life for me. And she like scoffs. She's like a second, second footman is a good life for you. Yeah. And he says, well, maybe I'll be a first footman or a butler. And then she just goes, oh, well, like watch out, Mr. Carson. And then she's, that's when she says, you know, I can't, I can't relate to you at all. Look, Mary, if Mosley can, uh, be one, why can't? Why can't William one day? Yeah, that's true. So the plot hole that I'm referring to is uh-huh. the fact that if it's a half a day trip home, 
Mr. Mason is wasting a lot of times in the future seasons trying to see Daisy. Also, yeah, and Daisy makes a lot of trips up there really quickly and then gets back to Downton on time pretty frequently. Maybe she runs fast. Yeah, maybe William's just a slow walker. Yeah, but, you know, considering we don't quite know Mr. Mason yet, he's about to go through some serious personal struggles. So right. hats off, Mr. Mason. We we are on your team. The other thing I thought was odd about this moment was Mary hears from Isabel that his mother is quite ill. And I guess maybe she's smiling, you know, when she tells him, you know, you can take time off because she feels she's doing a good thing. But Mary's smiling too much for communicating to a man that his mother is ill. <laughs> she she is um she's spoiled and there's times yeah. like this where you want to see young adult mary sort of take the reins or it's a little tough she, a little she struggles a bit to find her role as an adult yeah so uh yeah william gets a few days off and that's pretty much that that's where we leave things we know nothing but up from for william from here yeah no, no, nowhere but off. That's 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 definitely true. Uh, but aside from that, I think there's one big plot line left because this is like a, one of the first forty five minute episodes we watched in some time. Uh, yeah, well, there's there, there's um, what, before I'm, we get to that, there we get one comment about Mrs. Patmore's cataracts. She doesn't want to do it. She doesn't want to get surgery because she may risk losing her eyesight. Okay. <laughs> her eyes she just comes in with with empty sockets <laughs> right who knows you got to wonder about that surgery body then. horror for one episode <laughs> yeah well i mean they, they've done that on down um <laughs> so uh it's it's the bates and thomas and o'brien show down, downstairs with anna tossing yeah yeah that's right um what's the quote the rights of property Right, but it says, don't you believe in rights for women? Because you don't believe in rights for property. <laughs> I like Bates is laying it in on uh, on Tom early. They're going tit for tat, because like, even then, uh, when uh, was it, it comes around that Bates was the one to let it slip about Sybil, was it, Thomas says to Bates when Branson walks away, like, you know, shame on you or something like that, <laughs> or good on you for doing that. You know, like you really messed up. <laughs> yeah. So, so the this is such a silly, silly plot, for the most part. Uh huh. Because Barrow tries to once again throw Bates under the bus, just for because he saw him. Why? Like, how evil is Barrow that he can't just say like, "Oh, Bates clearly is well, is." He's got the master on, manipulator and O'Brien. You know, pushing the agenda there, telling him. Yeah, that's true. That's true. This is what you got to do. <laughs> Which is like, don't listen to O'Brien, man. But he, I mean, Thomas is young. He's in, he's he's impressionable, and it seems like O'Brien's got a handle on him. Yeah. So we find out that uh, this is still the moment in the show where Daisy is all about Thomas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's smitten with he him. He says, "Hey, would you do me a favor?" And she said, "I would do anything for you." Why? <laughs> um. So. The way it works around is, yeah, Daisy, she snitches. She claims to see uh, Bates steal the wine, and she's saying it alongside O'Brien and Thomas there. Isn't that shifty enough? Shouldn't Carson know better? Right, and there's already a moment where Bates goes to, was it, where Carson talks to Bates, 
and he Carson already has his doubts, but but he lets Bates go and yeah, Carson knows better. He he knows what's going on, but um, it takes uh, Daisy having a guilty conscience. How, how does she feel guilty about it? Does she talk to William or something? I can't remember. I I think she's just a child, right? So she tells Carson what actually happened, and uh, yeah. Uh, Thomas just acts like he uh, he can't remember the story exactly or, or you know what he saw that's true and Bates <laughs> and Anna are there and Anna has what is she has some funny line where she's like you cheats oh yeah she say you're you're here to observe not to participate yeah she says that directly to O'Brien who claims to have seen it <laughs> uh, yeah it's weird to see it does, isn't that grounds aggressive. to be fired to just like lie about your coworkers to the boss you mean Thomas? Thomas and O'Brien. How well, come this information isn't traveling up to the upstairs, but O'Brien can leak the information that Bates maybe stole wine? Like, well, why isn't Carson and Hughes on top of this? No, I think it's a thing where, Car- where Carson recognizes it may be more of a personal matter than something that's, you know, more serious. So it's. I don't know. When you put well, someone's livelihood on the line, it's, it extends beyond a personal matter, in my opinion. I think for him, for from Carson's perspective, it'd be a little bit of concern that he doesn't have a handle on the situation downstairs for these two to be going back and forth on stuff because there was already a situation. Well, he doesn't that, even know it's back and he doesn't know what Bates did. Right. I mean, there's or, already or did or didn't do. There's already the story, a story of the freaking snuff box, you know, going missing and stuff. So like to go over all this with them again, upstairs, it's just, it's not worth the trouble for Carson. I imagine that's well, I mean, Carson never is never really presented as someone who struggles to maintain. He, so maybe he just sweeps things under the rug all the time. Well, he's also, you know, preoccupied this episode with the the news about Mary as, you know, at one point when he's talking to Hughes, he says it's hard to hear people you love drag through the mud. And Hughes is like, well, I don't know if I, I love uh, Bates. And Carson's like, I wasn't talking about him because he's talking about Mary. He's preoccupied. Not Sybil? No, he's, they literally show him presenting the letter to Cora and then the next scene is that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's not caring about Sybil. Come on, man. Uh, so... What is uh? How does Bates wrap this up? And I, I, how does he wrap it up? Another inconsistency because he says he doesn't need the drink because he doesn't drink Mm-mm. because he was an alcoholic and he was in jail for theft. Right. And then was he? Doesn't he say something along the lines of like, "I wasn't the one who stole the wine," and Carson's like, "How did you know? <laughs> it was wine stolen." And. I would, you know, if I'm Bates at this point, I'm saying, it's Thomas, I saw him. It was him all along, yeah. Well, I mean, he essentially does as much after the fact. Like, he goes to Carson to talk to him, you know, with Anna by his side and O'Brien there. Yeah, and he, he says, and, I'm going to put my notice and I'm leaving. They don't want me here. Right, so after making that reveal that, you know, it wasn't me, but I am a bad person. I was a th- I was in jail for petty theft and I'm, I'm an alcoholic. I'm just not an honorable character, so I need to leave this place, which is... Really? It still doesn't make any sense. Like, I, watching it now, like, I can't even remember how this resolves. Like, he just decides to not quit, I think, is, is the result. I think, I think I think the overwhelming response to his honesty is is that people understand his past is his past. Mm-hmm. And that's, so why, it is what it is. But why does he want to quit now all of a sudden? Just because he just feels like he can't fit in? It just He's a man of honor. But what, what is his, what, how is he betraying his honor at this point? 
I I don't know. <laughs> that that's the problem. There's no actual conflict here, except for him just decide to leave because they know who what his real character is. It's just it's weird. He I guess yeah, he not... feels he was there under false pretenses, but at the same time, they know who you are by now, dude. And you were Robert's Batman in the war. Like, right. Is that before or after? I think he's afraid of the fact. Well, I think he also understands that Carson has an obligation to hire a morally upstanding staff, even though they're not. And well, well, I he mean, feels once Carson has been compromised, what does that say? I think he's kind of agreeing with Carson's ideals of like, keep the boat going. And wasn't the whole thing with him being a drunkard and a thief part of like his wife, ex-wife Vera pulling him into these things, whatever, uh, you know, just kind of making yeah. him sink generally lower. Sort of like the exact same plot with Baxter in a couple seasons where she is <laughs> pretty much a, a thief. Yeah. So that is, I think, the entirety of this episode, Dave. Are we missing anything? Not that I'm aware of. Yeah, no, This that's really it. Was this a good episode, Dave? It's a, it's a pretty good episode. I thought it was very average. I thought it was like a very, like... Okay, this is down. This is things going on. This is down, and that was that was that. I wanted more out yeah, it's of. Yeah, it's not excellent, but protests. you want Robert. Robert's good. Robert's uh, good. I thought there was more protest. Branson's and stuff, pretty good, but the fact that yeah, it's you like want two, more of the protest. Two quick scenes, and we don't even understand any of the politics that are going on. It's just like that's. Yeah, just women should deserve a vote. Yeah, we should have seen at least who won the vote. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was uh, the the Robert stuff. I think salvages a lot of the episode. To be honest, just him getting hot tempered because there's not even yeah. This is fun. This is a lot of it's all, yeah. This is a lot of setup. Yeah, for the f- finale, right? So uh, let's just get to the rankings. Sure. Who do you got going on the bottom? I got Bates at number three. Okay. He revealed his true character, and he, he's he's got to leave town. And they're also, he has a moment where he's about to kiss Anna, and then they just hear a sound and they don't kiss. That's pretty much <laughs> it. It's true. <laughs> it's like, what was that sound? We don't know, but they it's just, they don't kiss. All right. Well, I got, I got Sybil going down at number three because, you know, say what you will, Branson keeps his job, but she gets knocked down at this protest. She gets yelled at. She gets hollered at. It's true. Not a good look for her. Mm-hmm. Well, at number two, I got Thomas Barrow. His plan doesn't go well. It kind of backfires on him. And I th- honestly, I think you can posit this is when Carson gets incepted. This is when he starts to see, like, look, I didn't trust Thomas, but now it's clear Thomas is an unsavory guy to not trust. I, I, like, I think this is really starting him down the bad road with Carson right here, like ground zero. Mm-hmm. Like, you got caught in a lie, bro. Get him out of here. That's not false. I have the Dowager at number two. What? Because her her character is put into question big time in this episode. Elaborate. She is the one who's sitting at dinner, and she makes a fuss about Sybil's lack of, you know, this is who you have to be. And we see at the end of the episode, Sybil, Sybil will not only, you know, she's going to keep having her opinions, and she won't let her fire that, that chauffeur. And we see this Pamuk stuff is like, the Dowager thinks of herself as sort of the master manipulator socially with the family. And the fact that this whole Pamuk thing went on under her nose shows, you know, you're you're the old guard. Like, you yeah. don't, you can't control this. 
I, I guess, yeah. I, I just wish she had more than four minutes of screen time this whole episode. <laughs> hey, you know, there's a. It's only forty six minutes. We need plenty of Daisy. It's true. Um, and William, I got number one Sybil. She gets cocked in the face, uh, and she. We don't even know who the who she's for politically. Even if they win, she just kind of loses all the time to, to Robert here again. Shouted down. Uh, she just doesn't get her way any which way. So sorry, Sybil. Well, I got I got Robert on the bottom. Really? Because his hooting and hollering has done nothing. He he yells at her for going to the thing, and then she mm-hmm. just boldly lies to him, and he he just says, "All right, fine." He gets played like a fool. Yeah, you know. All right. He's he's lo- he's a loser. His daughters are sure. are acting up under his nose. Well, then who's going up for you, Dave? Number three, I got Edith. I got Edith in number three also. She's playing the game. Yeah, she she. she swipes in she says you know what i don't care how old he is i don't care how boring he is i like it i like that as long as he's virile you know she'll care she's in yeah as long as both his arms work (laughs) exactly currently they do (laughs) all good all good well who's number two well i got mr bates at number two what come on what what does mr bates do to get number two he wins he's losing his job (laughs) no is he probably I don't think he is. Okay. I think he, he gets backed up against a wall and he shows his true colors. And instead of saying, get the heck out of here now, everyone's like, we all like you, Bates. And then he almost gets a kiss, almost. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty big for this 45-year-old man or however old he's supposed to be. He's about like 45, yeah. I think it's a good, you know, he doesn't have to stoop to the lows of Barrow to get make Barrow lose. Okay. That's fine. Sure. <laughs> Well, who do you got at number two? I got Matthew. He cocks that guy in the face <laughs> uh, in that thing. Uh, say, saves the day. Uh, sw- gets Sybil to kind of swoon for him. And then he gets Mary to swoon for him. And he gets to pop the question to her. He's on high. Mm-hmm. That's true. He also just happens that- to live wherever he wants and work wherever he wants. So good for That's him. That's why he, he's Matthew's my number one. <laughs> okay. That's good. He he does the, the that right fist to doom. Mm-hmm. Saves the day. He's just this, you know, good luck for him. Man in action. Well, I so got... who do you have at number I, one? I got Robert number one, man. <laughs> this is easily one of the best Robert weeks of the season. Uh, one. Uh, he's just hollering and, you know, he, he's letting Sybil know what's up. She may be out going around doing her thing, but Robert's letting her know how much of a disappointment she is to him. So, she's going to carry that with her for a long <laughs> wow. time. Wow. Wow. What a good week. Look, man, if I got to watch Robert yell around for a while, I'm going to watch this. I mean, I, w- I, I would give myself points on the positive side for listening to Robert yell, but I wouldn't give Robert those. Robert doesn't win. I Also, his hairline, too. Like, watching these old season one episodes, you said before, but, like, I really appreciate how well, hair, like, combed his hair is. It looks great. Now, that's Bates. Bates is combing Bates his hair? Bates helping him with his hair. It's true. But he, he looks like a debonair, like, Phil Collins, really, in the season one here. Uh Hugh, uh, Hugh then it, it's like it's it's like two or three inches quaffed up mm-hmm. and then by the end of the show it just kind of quaffs the quaff is less yep he doesn't have quite as much hair so that's uh season one episode six dave do we want we do we want to tease what we're doing next week yeah why not why don't we why don't we tell the audience if they're if they want to prep and watch because it'll require some time out of their schedule 
That's true. So they're not hoodwinked by the episode coming out next week. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do the honors? Season four, episode nine, Polly G and a heist. That's true. Polly, Polly, Polly D from Polly. the Jersey Shore. He's there too. He, you'll watch closely. Okay, I'll keep an eye out for him. Uh, that's where we're doing it. That was one that was requested by actually a couple of listeners. So we're we're going to do it. You know we love Paul Giamatti. Maybe we'll get him on, we'll get him on the episode. You know, we'll, we'll see. call him. Yeah, we'll pull our strings. We'll, we'll ask Zach if he knows uh, Paul Giamatti for us. I, hey, it wouldn't be shocking. We can ask a Highclere Castle Jen too. I mean, if we want to keep connecting the dots, we can go all the way to our other friend Paul, who works on SNL, who may know. <laughs> Just keep going. Hey, up. he's he's going to ask us. He didn't come hit us up when they did a sketch on the on Downton Abbey that he probably directed. That's true. So you know. He did like one of my Facebook posts about eight months later talking about the podcast. Hey, man, where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, so, Paul, if there's a world where that this man is, is Paul Briganti is liking our stuff. Wait, Dave, do you know where Paul Giamatti was born? Isn't he from Connecticut? New Haven, brother. It's right next Very door. Cool. <laughs> Good man. I wonder what his favorite New Haven pizza place is. He's probably a Pepe's guy. He's got to be just like a classic. Did well, yeah. I mean, probably I, I could see that. But if a true New Haven guy, I don't think he's really going to say Pepe's. Right, you're going to say Sally's, right? Yeah, for the people that don't know New Haven, Connecticut, a Pete's. It's yeah, the best in the best in the world, according to a lot of people. Yeah, it's it's well known for its pizza. Dave, do you have any recommendations of things for people to watch? Uh, I just let me see. I finished season one of Succession, and that was good. I watched. Was this as, good, as good as people hyped it for you. Oh yeah, I mean, I think it's a the 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 language is is a little too coarse for me sometimes. I think it, the writing is very happy with the amount of f bombs they drop in that show. Mm-hmm. But it's it is very good, and the it well directed, good yeah. score. And then I watched today, Jedi Temple Challenge episode one. <laughs> Dude, I watched that too. So for people who don't know, Star Wars is back on YouTube as a game show for children. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so enthused over this. And they they got Ahmed Best for it, Jar Jar Binks. I really boy. thought he was just going to be Ahmed Best in like a hoodie and a in jeans, but he's a character. Yeah, he's a, he's a Jedi character who talks with a robot throughout the episode. And the uh, robot is making quips the whole time. I said this to you in a group chat, but I can see how on the episode one set where, you know, everyone thought he was the most hilarious guy. A little bit of him goes a long way. There's moments where it's like, okay, just stop talking, Ahmed. Good, good, good one. Good one. But just, just the, real, R, the R5 unit should just like, I'm like, rear, rear, yeah, and get him real, to stop real in a second. But my big thing about this episode, if you like star Wars and you like game shows for children, check it out. Jedi temple challenge. There's one child in this episode who, is beyond obnoxious. He is which way, one? The, the, what's his name? I, the kid with the glasses? Yeah, like he, he's way too excited to be there about everything, and he's you can tell he's ultra competitive because he does that classic yes thing where he fist pumps. He's so excited to have won. I mean, I would be like that too. I just don't have patience for chilling like that in my day in this day and age. <laughs> but that's you know that's that that was I watched that. So do you enjoy it, Dave? I'll, I mean, it definitely felt like a modern Legend of the Hidden Temple with a Star Wars spin. So mm. there's something, there's no clear timeline for the end of the game. 
which was driving me crazy. Like, do right. these kids know that they're running out of time? And there's no, essentially, no real prize, really, aside from the honor of being like a Jedi and maybe a lightsaber at the end. I just feel like this whole thing is a setup for them to do this hourly at um, Batu at Disneyland. Oh, yeah, get kids involved and stuff like that. Yeah. Because I think the lightsaber assembly is kind of what it is at Disney. That's true. Either way, yeah. you know, not going to happen anytime soon. All right. <laughs> what about you? Know. Anything the, your way? D- Disney may have something different to say about that. <laughs> hey, no, the, well, no, they've confirmed no lightsaber building until at least 2021. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Because th- those things are so close quarters, they're off the table. I had no idea. All right. If, in case <laughs> that was on your list of things to do. <laughs> yeah, for next year. Well, anything you've been watching? I mean, I think I said the point watching Sex in the City. It's, it's you know, it's, I've, <laughs> I, it's entertaining. Like as a, as a man who's living in New York and can't walk around New York, it's nice to watch a show that's kind of fantastical about living in New York. And I just read all these articles about how it's like this relic of the past and it's outdated. And in a lot of ways, it is. It's just easy comfort food. <laughs> it really yeah, is. There's something about like a big full pot of a tv show that you haven't watched yet that is so like like i've been watching dragon ball super it's the same thing there's like Mm -hmm. so much that i can watch three or four episodes in a sitting and i still have like a hundred left right and and people keep flagging the show for having a lot of puns i'm a man who likes puns i'm a a fan of puns so i'm okay down abbey right exactly we we know what the dowager is (laughs) about yeah it's punny so I'm, i'm okay with it so anyways, that has been my quarantine life is just watching that show one episode at a time every other night. <laughs> well, that's, that's fun. Yeah. Get me out of here, please. <laughs> uh, well, until next time, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Shoot us an email on Gmail. Yeah, shoot us, an e- shoot us an email. Those are, I think, the coolest things. Whenever we get emails, I, you know, we always read them on the air. If you're a fan of this show... Even comments on Instagram. I love it. You know, there was a guy who... Yeah, we're, we're all about engaging with the fans. Was so. it SR Placence? He, he, uh, he said he's on season five, episode six, and he said, good job, entertaining, light, and not too serious. That's what we're, what we're, we're aiming for, brother. So That's a dream. That's uh, all the people that say we ignore historical things. Yeah. Entertaining, light, and not too serious. So you know, we're, you. Like, we're like Keith Ledger here. Whenever we listen to these podcasts that take things, you know, so seriously, we say, why so serious? Yeah, just be easy, Can't people. Be? Just be easy. Yeah. All right, we'll so catch you next that, time. Get get ready for some Giamate. Yeah. All right.